company is Veterinary IT Services, so we specialise on working with veterinary practices um, from small independents all the way to corporate size uh, organisations. So, um, you know, you could have a single site maybe with, uh, I don't know, two or three consult rooms, maybe say five to 10 people, all the way up to sort of working with the corporates like people like Pets at Home, uh, working with them on consultancy-based products uh, or projects, sorry. Um, and uh, we've been working now with vets, like you say, for about 18 years, uh, 18 plus years now, actually. It's a long, long time. Um, we actually decided to um, niche and focus on the veterinary sector probably about three or four years ago. So it's just pre-COVID. It seems like an age away now. Um, but yeah, just pre-COVID, we decided to do something radical and decided to sort of focus on um, the veterinary sector, purely because it was sort of generally a untapped market. Um, one of the big things that I noticed was I wanted to make a difference. And I feel that um, as MSPs, we've almost become, uh, and it's a bit of an outrageous statement, but we've almost become a bit of a commodity. Um, so we're almost seen as like the IT cleaners and we're almost being uh, partly disregarded, devalued, and it's partly our doing as well. Um, so one of the things I wanted to do was I realized if I wanted to make a difference, I have to under, I have to understand the business that I work with. And it's almost impossible to understand every single industry. So look back at my customer base, worked out who the people that I really, really enjoyed working with, because, hey, you've got to love what you do. Um, and I realized actually one of my first clients was a uh, mixed uh, mixed vet practice, a multi-site mixed vet practice. So they dealt with small animal, large animal, equine, all that sort of stuff. Really lovely people terrible relationship with their technology so i saw it as a bit of an opportunity and we realized we had quite a number of different other vets so decided to focus on that and, and sort of have exploded in the process which is great um sort of at the moment um this current business we've got about 25 staff um, ranging from you know focusing on service delivery so support side of things all the way to um, admin and uh, sort of sales and marketing um so yeah so that's a kind of a quick whip round of who we are and what we're about what do you think are the common mistakes that people make with their MSP websites. What, so many. what do you think goes so wrong many. With, with them? Uh, <laughs> I think the common things is, um, you know, it, you've got to go to people that actually understand and can help guide you. You know, I, I have um, people within my circle um, who are absolutely fantastic. I couldn't cope without them. Um, uh, you know, Paul Green being one person that, you know, he's, he's someone that works directly with us and he's he's superb and very, very helpful with us and helped me direct, uh, directed me within the world of niching or as he calls it, niching now, which really, <laughs> niching, really yeah. irritates me. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I think the common things are stock photography, um, you know, and, and not utilizing your people. And I understand when you're first starting up, up an MSP, it's it's really, really difficult, but you can still get a professional pho uh, photos. I mean, if you look at my website, it's of fluffy animals, which is great. Uh, and and of me, uh, because obviously that's I'm, I'm the front person of, of this particular organization. We, we decided to take the Branson-esque approach, I suppose. And it's, it's worked quite well, because again, for vets, it's all about relationships. Um, I think the other thing is, is that, you know, People don't really understand our world. So, you know, if you go and say you're a managed service provider, they almost look at you going, so what's that? You know, and they use the, the thing that really frustrates me and go, oh, so you're IT support. Once you explain it to me, like, oh, God, <laughs> um, yes, if, if that makes you happy, then I'm IT support. But most of the time you go onto these websites and, it, you know, you're, you're expressing your services. But a lot of these things don't mean to mean much to people. I mean, you know, you go and say to someone, hey, we do disaster recovery things. They go, great. So you save us from earthquakes? Like, well, what is it you do? Um, so people almost get confused because it's quite a daunting thing. You know, most of us tech ex or tech, tech experts, if you want to call us that, you know, we understand this. We love what we do. Um, but for other people, technology in a way, especially, you know, they, they generally you know, they come from having bad experiences in a lot of cases, um, you know, are scared by what technology is. They find it overwhelming. And so, of course, if you start using these acronyms or words that people don't understand, it confuses them. Um, and I think that's kind of a common mistake.
you have a deep focus on cyber security. Um, can you tell us a bit more about what your offerings look like there, Mitch, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for, for us, security first mindset means that we we really want to, anyone that comes by and, and wants to have a first time appointment with us, meet with us, we tell them about the cyber risk assessment. Um, and before we'll do any business to anybody, we need to do that assessment on them. Um, we, we get in there, we find out what kind of data they're holding, um, you know, what kind of um, personal identifiable information that they're holding, what kind of security holes do they have in their company. So, you know, it's it's our job to stay up to date and protect our clients and, and backups just aren't enough nowadays. It's not a matter of having it encrypted. You know, what happens when it's sold? Are you going to bounce back if you don't protect it? Um, do the clients know the cost of opening a call center, repairing their public facing image? Um, you know, trying to get the funds back that were drained out of the bank account. Do they even know that the data in their company, you know, possesses value to bad actors? Um, you know, it's scary. And, and, and if they don't know that they're going to become the next victim. And a lot of them, you know, they always say that they're, they're too small to get hacked, but they're just too small to make the news. That's, that's the story. So, um, you know, we're, we're not going to be out there saying that we're absolutely going to stop you from getting hacked because nobody can promise that that's just unreal we're uh we're here to mitigate it to the best of our ability and ensure that there's something that's been put in place um so when the time comes we, we know exactly what we're doing to get them out of it so i'm intrigued now um what did you find most challenging about uh running an it business now i know that you mentioned earlier on that you started off as more of a kind of a break fix outfit and then you kind of changed direction there um I yeah, I just want to hear what you think you found the most challenging part of your transition um, from from starting out to actually where you are now an award winner. So yeah, oh absolutely. I guess um, you know the biggest thing for me is keeping up with the industry. Um, I, I feel like you know this isn't a once every year or every couple of years kind of training. You know. Um, just to keep up with what's new, it's like you better be on two to three webinar calls, something a week, paying attention on LinkedIn for every news article that comes out. There's always something new happening every single week. And if you're not paying attention, you're falling behind on something. Um, so it, it's a busy industry and like it's continuous growth that way. So, um, you know, as a business owner, it, it is important for me um, as, you know, Eric Yelty is my business partner and lead in the tech side of things. Um, he's the actual smart one. So it's also important for him to make sure he's up to date on that kind of stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's one of the biggest things. Um, other than that, you know, on the actual business level, um, I think delegating is, is so key. And it's one thing that I really took way too long to realize, but, yeah. um, as an MSP owner, um, you need to be working on the business, not in the business. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really key for me. So you described your approach uh, in the businesses being, you know, customer experience and customer first. What does that mean in reality for you? Um, I don't want to sound like I'm kind of repeating, but I definitely think it's connected back to the brand values. So I think if your brand values are not customer first, you can't kind of fake it. If that's not inherent and it's got to be top down, you can't lead from the front, from first line support with a customer first approach, unless it really comes from the top and it's embedded all the way, top, bottom, across the, the business. I think it's just not truly um, something that you can live every day unless 
everybody is living it as well. And I think that when um, you make a decision to recommend services to a particular client, for example, um, that's very much done as a customer first tactical activity. Um, you know, we have clients who will say, we trust your recommendations because you understand our business so deeply that we know having worked with you for all this time, we know that you're recommending what's right for our business, not just any business. And so we have that trust established with clients. We could potentially, you know, recommend a whole load of products or services or add-ons or subscriptions that people don't need. That would be in conflict with yes. a customer-first approach. What have you found the most challenging about marketing an IT business? I think potentially the, the length of the sales journey. Right. Um, but also the fact, like I, like everybody knows, you don't just go out looking for a new MSP for fun. It's not just something you decide to do one day for a lot of businesses. So um, I think until that pain point is is hugely problematic, companies aren't necessarily primed to want to hear from you and engage with you. So I think that can be quite challenging. Um, but, you know, it goes back to being valuable and um, sharing content and um, consuming other people's content as well. And, um, you know, just kind of offering value, offering different perspectives and thoughts and um you know engaging with other professionals within the industry to kind of learn and share and um just kind of you've got you just got to hang in there really I think yeah, yeah. I, and you've touched upon a number of different things the the length of the sales cycle for, for MSPs can be difficult mm. the other thing um we realized is that uh you know clients put up with a lot of pain off some pretty poor IT providers, actually. Yeah. Things get too bad. And as you said earlier on in our conversation, the straw that broke the camel's back, and then they're going to start looking around. So, you know, state of mind with clients, uh, potential clients is really, really powerful because you don't know when that moment's going to come that they yeah. decide, we've had enough of these guys. We're going to speak to Sarah and the team at yeah. IT. Microphone, so, yeah. <laughs> What about on the flip side of it? What would you say is your favourite thing about marketing an MSP? Um, I think it's very close to it being a really long journey, actually, uh, because when somebody does engage, it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that when somebody does respond to marketing or say um, we might get a message from somebody who says, I've seen your LinkedIn content, um, that got me thinking, um, I'd like to meet up with you. That is so rewarding because we know that the long game is working. Finding suitable staff that probably want more money than they're worth would also be a potential issue. Um, yeah. You know, I think a, a few people can sort of relate to that at the moment. I mean, it is definitely an employee's market, but I think a few of them are sort of, you know, it's, taking the mickey a wee bit when it comes to what they're looking to get paid versus what they're really worth in reality so i'm sure it'll swing around at some stage you know but that's a bit of a challenge trying to get you know good staff at a, at a rate that you know we believe is fair and equal um what else is difficult and uh, challenging oh, look keeping up all your it documentation um you know 
you know, even creating it from the start would be a bit of a challenge for us. I mean, we, we do have IT documentation, but it's it's fairly limited. I, I sort of, I wish we, I wish I had more time to spend doing the documentation. If anyone was starting out in IT now as an individual solo MSP, I would recommend getting that right from the start. Having a tailing system and making sure you're doing your documentation as you go along. We didn't do that. And as a result, we're finding it a bit more difficult now to scale because you need the documentation in order to bring staff on. So otherwise staff come on and they potentially don't know what they're doing because your documentation is limited in certain areas. I mean, we do have decent documentation for a number of processes, but it could be a lot better. So we're still yet to bite the bullet and get into a proper documentation uh, tool um, that we're reviewing at the moment again. And again, that's another get another product, another vendor. We're also spending time reviewing, so catch 22 there. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, and, and the last thing is, is, is I do I do do fairly a lot of long hours, you know. Um, yeah. You know, I, until I can delegate tasks to others, I sometimes find myself doing additional work in the evenings. But don't get me wrong, I mean, like I, I do have a, a good work-life balance, um, but this is something that we're trying to cut back on. You know, I don't really want to be spending my evenings doing extra work, quoting and doing the admin tasks that you sort of push off during the day because you're doing other work. So that's another challenge for us as well. What would you say are the potential challenges or obstacles that you need to consider in order to achieve this this growth goal then? Well, that's it. That is the challenge itself, growth growth mm. and expansion. You know, it's relatively easy in a way to sit back and manage what, you know, what a term a lifestyle business yeah. um, as opposed to a, a sellable business. But it's always hard, to, you know, to, to let go when you're the main point of contact for most things within your business. Um, specific issues would be adding on the right staff and, and keeping them busy and incentives, incentives, I can't pronounce it, incentivized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's the key thing for them really yeah and, and i think you said it earlier too it's 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 about getting the right stuff that don't expect too much and you know in terms of remuneration uh to to kind of have them there in a developing role that 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 they'll want to kind of join your team because there are opportunities to actually grow within it rather than just have a nice big salary, you know. So, yeah, I think a lot. No, of- look, I, we know we know we're going to have to recruit, but we, we we've done well so far with external recruitment. Let's say using socks and knocks and a couple of remote guys yeah. overseas and everything else. So it works out really well for us. But it's the on-site stuff that you know you need yeah. a couple more guys on the ground here. And uh, you know we're, we're currently recruiting right at the moment, but it's very thin pickings at the moment. Most of the good guys have already taken uh, and the other ones are sort of wanting a lot more money than they believe they're worth. Um, again, they know it's their market, but, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll choose the right person when the time comes and when it's right. And, and uh, But we're not just going to jump in, you know, yeah. feet first and hope for the best. We just want to make sure we get that process done correctly. And, you know, a lot of people have warned us don't take staff on, I think, just because they've had, you know, bad experiences with staff in the past. So, but, you know, look, you know, there's only a certain amount of sort of offshore remote working that you can actually do. You know, you need you need guys locally on the ground. And the subcontractors that we use have been brilliant, but it's just to take the next step, we need probably another in-house technician, engineer, probably a level two guy, something like that. So that's what we're looking for at the moment. What does culture mean to the final step? What is the culture at the final step? Like a lot of businesses, you know, Raj has spent some time going away and thinking you know answering that question you know why are we in business what what's what's the point of it what why another 
MSP or yet another MSP, why, why we needed. I think for him and for the rest of the organization, it became about how do we help people fulfill their potential? And by that, you know, by people, he means the staff, uh, the community, so the HTG, the Evolve, the clients, and the wider community as well. And I think that's that's quite a different mindset, you know, to be off service. Obviously, businesses want to make money, you know, but that is quite a different mindset to say, you know, how can we be of service? And that sets you up for dealing with people in, in a significantly different way. I think one of the core kind of texts of HTG is, is Bob Berg's The Go-Giver, which I know you're very familiar with. And Usually, yeah. Probably gets mentioned on, on your pod. We've had Bob <laughs> on, the, on the podcast before. Now, right, and, you know, okay. I think barely an episode goes by, Simon, that I don't mention Bob Berg and the Go-Giver. I should be on commission with him. So, <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, the, the Go-Giver is a, a business parable and it's, it's the reverse, I guess, of the Go-Getter. It's yes. not about what can you accrue, what can you bring to yourself, what can you, you know, store and keep. It's about actually how much can I give, how much can I help, how much can I provide. And that's a very different mindset. And, you know, we don't we don't have commissioned salespeople because the sales that we do are actually, what do you need as a client? what what is your roadmap what's going to serve your business goals and it sort of takes care of itself yeah. and i think i think clients notice that and feel a difference when they you know when they talk to us about things yeah and and that's that could be considered a relatively alien sort of cultural phenomenon but actually it serves us very well i think what impact did the COVID-19 pandemic have on the culture at the final step? Did anything change? Did you have to change the way that you view the, the world and dealing with members of staff, for instance? I think so. I, I, I wonder how much of it was a change and how much was it a reinforcement of mm. values, I guess. It's relatively easy to be a go-giver in a time of abundance. And but when things are when things are tight and difficult, that's when your values are really put to the test, I think. Agreed, yeah. You know, I'm sure we all remember no eggs on the shelves, no toilet paper on the shelves. And, and it, it's not it's not difficult to slip into that mindset of, I better keep this stuff to myself, you know, mm -hmm. I better. But I think that actually we we were true to our values. And I think we said, listen, that we're, we're part of a community. We take the long-term view on relationships. And, you know, those clients, the that were struggling because of through no fault of their own, just through the nature of their business, you know, their, their trading was severely impacted. We took the decision, well, we're going to continue to support you. We're in this together. We're, we're going to see it through and let's figure it out. And so I think that element of, you know, how can we help? How can we be of assistance? And I think it, it wasn't as if it was the first time we've had, because obviously having been around for a time, we've ridden a couple of recessions out. Yes. And some of those recessions have hit some of our clients quite severely. And in similar circumstances, you know, we, we similar economic circumstances, we have supported clients. It's, it's not been quite as global as it was this time, you know, so we, we, we have clients in property who were very severely hit by a couple of recessions and, we're, and we stood by them. But I, so I think we were true to those values. I think 
what happens in that case is we also have to be take very good care of the staff. And I think one of the things that we sort of knew, but we kind of relearned is that there's a need to over-communicate. I think often as a as a management team, you can think, oh, I've said it. Surely they've heard it and they understand it. <laughs> and actually there's, you know, there is a need to actually keep on repeating things fairly regularly. And, you know, I think there's a saying that, you know, if you, if you, tell somebody something seven times they'll go yeah i think you told me that once a long time ago (laughs) (laughs) hey folks richard here thanks for listening today i know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays so i really appreciate your support do you have any feedback on this episode ideas for future guests tweet me at tublog using the hashtag tub talk i respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.